welcome and thanks for tuning in. This is Dr. Kernisha Smith, licensed clinical social worker here in Chicago, Illinois, and this is therapy. Let's unpack that. And while I do hope you enjoy the podcast, it is not intended to replace your own relationship with a licensed mental health professional. This is therapy. Let's unpack that. And this is part two of Unpacking with Friends as we discuss mental health and education because it ain't our field trips, gym classes, and homework assignments. As we previously discussed, teachers have to educate students whose bellies are growling because they didn't eat all weekend. Students who are experiencing sexual abuse, physical abuse, drug abuse, and students who can't stay seated or focused on a lesson plan. Students who are being bullied because of their socioeconomic status or even because they have a learning disability. Teachers are expected to put their own mental health issues aside and pour into 30 plus students for nine months of the year. Now, one can argue and someone will and say they signed up for it. They shouldn't complain. Maybe they shouldn't be a teacher then. But some of y'all can't even stand being parents. You barely parent and can barely stand your own child for longer than two hours. Just imagine having 30-something kids who are eating glue, banging their head on a desk, throwing paper, and talking about putting wet fingers in their peers' ears, all still trying to get through your lesson plan, a plan that you spend six-plus hours creating. And on top of all of that, you're having to deal with relationship problems, taking care of a sick parent, and trying to make ends meet. But I digress. Let's finish unpacking. (laughs) It's how how do you guys right because we always talk about in in the, in the field of counseling and in social work is to have coping skills like that's almost in any training you go to in any class you you can attend it's have coping skills have coping skills have coping skills but how do you guys have your coping skills when you honestly have to take your work home. You have to grade papers at home. You do your lesson plan at home. Sometimes parents are calling yeah. you after hours and. There's emails like I don't know I don't know of a teacher that has said I'm off work at you know three yeah. thirty when the kids go it's like no now I gotta go home and do a million different things so how do you guys deal with your personal issues and not bring that into the classroom like how do you cope with all of that I honestly don't know if I cope Nisha <laughs> I I mean I try to live a life based on gratitude and being grateful. Um, uh, spirituality is also really important. Um, being mindful of my personal behaviors and actions and reactions. Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we, I don't think personally, I don't ever turn my brain off to my job. Um, Mm. I think that, for example, I, I was trying to get on, um, and the link wasn't wasn't showing up for me. So I was getting on my email and refreshing and I had a parent minutes before I got on with you to send me um, an email asking for resources for counseling for her kids. So, you Mm. know, I don't think, I don't think I am ever not thinking about work or about students or what they can learn. Um, And then when I do stop, it's because I'm forced to. Yeah. So I, I have a family <laughs> and I have to interact with them. And then 
I'm tacking on like their needs as well. So, um, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if I really, if I really turn it off. I don't think I can fully separate what happens at work, um, and what happens with my students to, for me. Well, because they're your baby too, right? It is, it is the same because when you're not at work, you have a ton of that from school to do because the things you're doing when you're in the classroom, you can't even, you can't do it there. Yeah. I mean, the teacher, you can't, if you're found sitting, if like the principal walks in your classroom and you're sitting at your desk because maybe you do need to grade a couple of papers or yeah. you need to, you know, that's frowned upon. Like you need yeah. to be moving at all times, having students in front of you. If you're not teaching whole group, you need to be teaching small group. <laughs> You need yeah. to have your small group instruction. And then when you have a classroom with 30 plus students, think of how many small groups you have when there's supposed to only be 46 students in a small group. And so we don't you, get bathroom breaks either. Like yeah. one planning period and one no. lunch and that's it. Monica, the bathroom is right across from me. Literally, the, the teacher's bathroom is right across and I still can't get in there because I have to have somebody come stand in my and I just don't do that. So I have learned to like hold it all day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right about that. So when you're that is home, bad for your bladder. I'm telling you, my release, honestly, first and foremost, is my spirituality. Um, I have to like, get, like now we can't even have church the way we, we used to have church. So I'm just like, wow, I don't have anything to release. But like literally going to church and being able to release everything, the praise with, with the people that I worship with. Oh, I need that. It's a, it's almost like a refueling. It's like I'm a car and I need to go get my gasoline for the week. And that's what church has been for me. Mm. And then also my family, my household, my home is really, really a source of peace. So it is very peaceful in mm. my home. And that is where I can have tantrums because I'm tired of doing lesson plans and somebody will walk up to me and grab my computer and say, stop for a little while. Let's let's go do this for a minute and then get back to it. You know, so that is for me. It it really is my 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 worship and my immediate my my home. You're right about that, Andrea. Like in my house, I like to have peace. I don't like to have any kind of conflict. No, Um, I like I don't like to yell at my kids. I don't yell at them. I, I, I like to have as much peace as possible. And I think a lot of that comes from the the tumultuousness of, of our job. Like if we're having a hard day at work, we cannot come home and have a hard day at home. That would be, I would go nuts. Yep. I would. Mm, well, you said okay. a few things. Well, I will say what helps me because I've actually been asked. I, I get called down to meetings to counsel with teachers because I have had every type of classroom and I do not have behavior problems in my classroom ever, ever. And not, I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's weird. I know why, because I know that this is an anointing and this has to do with when you have a, a connection to God, honestly your students can feel that and they can feel your peace and your peace comforts them. So your my classroom is comforting. And so I do not yell at my students ever. So when I do raise my voice, everything shuts down and everybody's like, Oh my God, like it, it blows their mind because I don't yell. And so Teachers go the opposite way. They're screaming and yelling and hollering all day. So now they're stressed out. And I give this analogy all the time to my teachers. I say, have you ever noticed 
you have a new mom, brand new mom. She brings that baby home from the hospital. The baby is crying, it's yelling, it never calms down. And then her mother comes in and gets the baby from her and the baby lays on her mom's chest and go right to sleep. And so the new mom is like, why is it that you can just come get the baby and the baby goes right to sleep and I can't put the baby to sleep? And the new mom says to her, the baby can feel your stress. The baby can feel how uptight Mm -hmm. you are, how excited you are on the inside. So because you're stressed out, the baby is stressed out. And so the baby is reacting to your stress. But me as a veteran mom who's been through this, I already know that the baby will calm down if I'm calm. That is what I take in my classroom. So that is the reason why, honestly, my stress at home is never about my students. It's never about having necessarily a bad day with my students. It's usually about paperwork or something that has to do with administration. So um, so can you agree with me, Monica? Because when you said you don't yell at your kids and your house is peaceful, the first thing some people would think is if you don't yell at your kids and you're not disciplining them, how the heck is your house peaceful? You don't have to yell at your kids because you're peaceful. And that transitions onto your stu- your children. And in your yeah. classroom, I bet it's the same situation. Um, I actually don't um, don't yell at, at my students or at my kids. And um, I had an issue at a previous school where they told me that the reason that students were having a hard time was because I wasn't being mean to them. And yeah. I explain to the administrators at that school that that wasn't how I worked. I said, I, I want to teach my students to be treated the way that they deserve to be treated. I don't want to be another person that comes in and abuses them um, because they're mm. responding to that trauma. So yeah. they're assuming that I'm going to come in and be mean and be tough and be judgmental and be an attacker almost to them. Um, and I asked them, like, give me some time. Just give me some time because they will get used to me and they'll understand that I'm here for them. I'm not here to be against them or to fight them. I'm here for them and to support them. And I right. agree with you. I don't have behavioral issues. And if I have them, I'm able to have a heart-to-heart conversation with students yeah. and get to the bottom of it. Um, and a lot of times I get students from other classrooms sent, sent to, me. to your class. Yep. <laughs> I know that. I'm, I'm actually being pulled out of my classroom to talk to teachers who had my students last year. Like, yeah. you know, Ms. Simpson had them. So let, let's talk to her because this student didn't do this when they were with her. And my point is, it's not about it's It's about the feeling that that student has in that classroom. Because what I will say is that I'm very firm. I don't have to scream at them. I'm firm. I mean, I turn around and I and I look at them and just looking at them for a minute, they're like, okay. <laughs> like, but what I don't do is I don't embarrass them. I don't call them out. Mm. I don't don't like challenge them. If somebody is having a fit and they're they're having a tantrum and they're mad about something, I don't feel like I need to have the last word or I need to be the one to show them that I don't take this mess. I let them do what they're doing. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, are you, are you done? Are you okay? Do you need a minute? Right. Do you need to step out? You know what I'm saying? But like, I'm not going to scream and yell at them because I don't have anything to prove. And so I feel like when you can bring that peace in, it's a trust mechanism. So because they know that I'm not going to call them out, that I'm not going to embarrass them, it's certain things that they just won't do to me. 
because they know I won't do it to them. And if they do it, they feel bad about it because then they expect that they did this to me, that I'm going to respond in a certain kind of way. And when I don't respond that way, and I'm still going to discipline them, I'm still going to handle it, but I'm going to handle it when everybody's not watching. You know, even if I have to say, come on, step out the classroom for a minute, you know, but after all the rage and all of that, I'm still calm. I'm not screaming at them. Even if it's when the class is over and I'm like, can you, can you stay for a minute? We need to talk. You know, it's like, oh God, here we go. But it's like, then now they feel bad because I didn't respond to them in the way that they expected that I would because of what they did. Um, even with parents, you take on that same that same attitude. So for me, the my my refuge and how I can get out of things is that I really have formed a alliance with my students and with my parents. It's just a level of respect yeah, that I'm not. You you can agree, right? That I'm I'm yeah. not taking certain things home. Really, honestly, for me, my stress is administrative things. It is never my students Mind or you. my parents. That's good. That's good. And, you know, I think that's, um, Lord, I hope a lot of teachers listen to this that maybe, you know, take the road of yelling at their kids because I think that's key. And that's something that just as a therapist, I try to stress to parents that you don't have to yell at them. They need structure. They need to know that there's consequences for behaviors and that the consequence needs to match whatever the infraction was, right? right? You don't have to yell and scream. Sometimes it happens. I mean, their parents, totally different from yeah. teachers, right? But it's so important to both of you guys said is you can be firm. You can turn around and give that look. But uh, what's that saying go? You get more honey with bees. Yeah, well, bees with honey than with lemons. Isn't it lemon? Yeah. There you go. There you go. And sometimes that's just a route you have to take. And I don't know if it was Monica or you, Andrea, that said it, is that they're already traumatized. So why bring them in a classroom to re-traumatize them by yelling at them, screaming at them, embarrassing them? And yeah, why continue to add to the abuse that we already know they're suffered? This is their place of of solace in some ways. It's their, their safety net. You know, as long as they're not getting bullied, they feel safe in your classroom that... Miss Simpson, Miss Rojos, they're going to protect me from the elements within this school. So, but you guys kind of already answered my next question, which is what is it like educating kids with mental health disorders and emotional issues and behavior issues? It seems like, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you guys, um, you two kind of teach every student the same way while recognizing that this student may need a little bit more attention or they may struggle with this a little bit. Or if Jonathan acts out a little bit, he's doing it because of maybe something's going on at home or something. So I'm not going to feed into that negative energy. I'm going to let him have his fit. And then we'll talk about it and we'll process Here's it later. Word, Is that um, um, Carnesha? It's trust. That's yeah. it. So mm. what happens and how you form this trust is from the very beginning Every individual student needs to know that you notice something special about them. So yeah. when Jonathan, mm. who is the person who is always acting a fool in the classroom, see, and you already know this kid before they come. Believe me, the other teachers already told you, oh, you got Jonathan Johnson. Oh, Lord, girl. You know, so you already know. Okay, <laughs> I know I'm going to have to deal with Jonathan a certain kind of way. So I know now that when Jonathan is coming to classroom, if Jonathan has a haircut, I'm going to notice it. And it's going to be 
hey, you know, when I walk past him, like your haircut, that's nice. You know, I'm also going to give Jonathan mm-hmm. jobs to do. Jonathan, can you now he the worst kid in the school, but I'm going to say, Jonathan, can you take this to the office for me? And anybody else will be like, why the heck would you send Jonathan? You know why? Because when Jonathan knows that I'm trusting him with something, he doesn't want to let me down because nobody ever yeah. trusts Jonathan with anything. So that's the thing mm-hmm. that you do. You need to know yeah. the special things about each of those students. It's little things. When you're teaching and you're walking through the classroom and you just kind of like put your hand on their shoulder or you wink at somebody or or just be like, I see you. Or when I do yeah. lessons and it's a word problem, I use my students' names instead of the name that's in a word problem. I change the word problem to oh. something that's funny. You know, so, you know, and, and, you know, so it's just little things, including them in, making them feel like they stand out. And you're always going to pick that kid that nobody notices. You know, you're going to pick that kid and let them know, I notice you. So what happens when you do that, it's no different with the student with the mental health problem or the student that has some issues with learning. They still need to be feel like that they're noticed. They still need to feel like that they can be, um, they can be imperfect in the classroom and it's okay. For me, I let my students see when I made a mistake. I've had a student right. say, Miss Simpson, you didn't put the question mark on there. Or you you mixed the word up. And I'd be like, dang, I didn't reread. And I tell y'all to do that all the time and look at me being lazy. You know, so you're letting yeah. them <laughs> are normal just like them, that you make mistakes just like them. And it's okay because guess what? Look, I just erased it and I fixed the mistake that you helped me with, right. my student. Thank you. Mm-hmm. One of the things that that is really important is like following up on what Andrea said is making sure that students know that they are not bad. Like kids will yeah. tell you like I'm bad, right? Like they told you I'm bad and I'm like no, you're not bad. You just had a bad moment. Um and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We all have bad moments. Um so students carry that weight with them from classroom to classroom and it takes somebody really special to let them know that that is not who they are. Um, it is sometimes what they do, and those are things that they can change. So empowering the students is important, and it's key. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like um, just thinking about what we were just saying, Andrea and I are very emotionally intelligent teachers. So, you know, it, it helps to be able to, to, to do that in the classroom, especially with all the personalities and all the people. Mm-hmm. And then we also right. have to think about like, what can we do? What can be done for teachers who are not emotionally intelligent yet? Yes. You know, who are, who are also carrying those burdens and those traumas and maybe are not even realizing that they're doing that. And, um, I think that's something that would be really worth looking into. Yeah, need some professional development on that because there is a skill to it. It honestly is a skill. You know, you can't tell me that I have been teaching for the amount. I've been teaching for 12 years. This is my 13th year teaching. You cannot tell me that in this amount of time of teaching, and I literally can tell you, I have never had a parent curse me out, ever. I've had parents coming in mad, ready to curse me out, but they don't leave that way. You know, you mm-hmm. cannot at, tell me why is it that every year, and I've seen principals come and go, but they all say, 
What is it in the teachers? What are you doing in your classroom? Why is it that everybody talked about this group of kids that you're getting? And then when they get with you, they don't act like how they act last year. And then when they leave you, they're acting like that again. And it is about taking what that's do. If this kid is a loud mouth that's always talking, that don't ever shut up, let that student be the one who reads that, that does the announcements and that does, you know, you take what their weakness, quote unquote, what's supposed to be their weakness and use it for good. Use it, bring it out because every gift that people have that was given to them by our creator, rather it's, it may appear as something that's bad, it's negative, but it's just how they use that gift. So figure out this kid is always getting up, making jokes, trying to be silly in the classroom, trying to make you know everybody laugh and disrupt the classroom. So you may say to that student, hey, Michael, you like to disrupt the classroom. You're not saying it in these words, but maybe Michael every day will just tell a joke for everybody before we get started so he can get it out of his system. So now yeah. it's not Michael is not interrupting my class, making fart noises while I'm teaching and doing things like that because <laughs> Michael got to tell his joke and everybody got to laugh and he knows that he needs to work on it because tomorrow you got to come better than the one you did today. So we're looking for you to give us a better one. And you want to disrupt my class and act a fool. You can't tell your jokes tomorrow because you did it all through my class. That's how you do that. Mm. I think that you give them the yes. platform to be who they yes. are. Everything that people continually say, oh, that's so bad. That's so bad that Michael does. Then you teach Michael, that's not bad that you do that. It's just yeah. when you're doing it, Michael. That's all. It's not bad that you do that. You just shouldn't do it during class. My students come up to me, and y'all probably don't think I'm bogus when I say this. So-and-so was cussing. And you know what I say? I put my, my hands up and say, so? And they like, so? I'm like, were you cursing too? And then they get quiet. And I'm like, you probably were. And so they're sitting there and I'm like, the problem is, is that my issue is I don't want to hear so-and-so cursing. If you guys are kids and you're playing with each other and he says a curse word, that's between you and him. That's how you talk. Mm. You know, the problem is, is when you're doing it around adults and you're being disrespectful. But if you're around kids, you'd say whatever you want to say. Don't say it around me. Don't say it around the other teachers. So like we make big deals out of things. That's not a big deal. I mean, you are a fifth grader, a sixth grader, a seventh grader. You guys curse. That's what you do. Who cares? Don't do it in the classroom around me. You know, so now my students right, realize right. like Miss Simpson, I don't care about that stupid stuff. Nope, I don't. You know, it's like make stuff light instead of make stuff heavy. Your students need to be able to relate to you. You need to be a human being to them. Seriously. Yeah, I agree with you. I, um, once had a student, I had him for three years. I had him for third, fourth, and fifth grade when I oh, first started yeah. to teach. Um, and him and I butted heads literally every day. Um, but I grew. I, I grew personally as well. And, and that's something that I'm re really grateful for um, in my career. Because you come in one person and every year you grow too. The kids teach you so much yeah. every single year. And, um, I got very close to him, um, over the years, like he, um, had an accident and I reached out to his mom and they're like, Oh my God, he's at the hospital. And I took, uh, time off of work to go see him. Yeah. And my That's principal was like, what, what happened? I'm like, I have to go see him. I need to make sure he's okay. So I'm in the hospital and 
when you see them again, I mean, as like from third grade all the way to he must have been like senior in high school at that time. Like he was already older. I'm not sure how how old he was. I'm like my math is probably off, but um, he still saw me with the same eyes that he saw me when I mm-hmm. when I last saw him. You know, with love, with care, with respect, and yeah. that's something that is mm. something that I'd like to see with every student. Obviously, like you don't make the same connections with every single child. There's people that are more uh, akin to you and to your style, or there's people that. Um, need you more than others so they make a stronger connection with you but that same love that you see in them that you give to them um and it makes everything get it back yeah yeah it makes everything worth it I I will say I don't regret I love being a teacher I love this and I'm gonna be honest my undergrad was (laughs) pre-law Yeah, Yeah. my undergrad was pre-law and I worked when Carnesha and I was working together. I worked in the field that I worked in because I worked with lawyers and things like that. And I wanted to get to know them and make connections and all of that. So that when I got ready to go to law school, you know, whatever. And and life doesn't always go in the direction that you think it's going to go in. And so I decided that I would teach until I was about, you know, for a certain amount of years, maybe till my, my, my own children are a little bit older. And then I would go ahead and go back and make a career change and go to law school. And then I became widowed in that process. So it was like, well, you're not going to law school because now you, you have everything on your own. You know, like now you're a single mom, you know, blah, 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 blah. But at that point, once that happened, I had been teaching at that point for so long that it wasn't even a loss. It was like, how did I think that I was going to go to this field and then make a career change and do something? Like, I love this. And so, and I love it not because I get in there and teach some math and it's fun and, you know, that's great too, but I love the connections. I love for people to come back to my classroom five years later and they have a big Adam's apple and a deep voice or, you know, they're taller than, well, they're taller than me now in fifth grade because I'm only five, one and a half. So, but still, I mean, but still, I mean, seriously, just seeing them coming back and it's like, you chose to come back. You know, no one made you come back to see me, but you did. And that means something. That means so much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it puts a different value on, on what we do. And when you start to see that it makes a difference in kids' lives, I absolutely love my job too. I was recently yeah. asked, you know, what my dream job would be. And I was like, I have my dream job. I didn't, I didn't want to be a teacher. I was, I wanted to be a doctor when I was in school and I have my, um, my uh, bachelor's I, I did it almost all biology. And then last minute I switched over to teaching because I had a baby when I was in college yep. and I needed to provide for him. So I was like, okay, so I guess I'm going to teach. I didn't want to. And then my first year in was rough. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then my second year, I got a taste, I got a taste for it. I, I developed a passion for it. I saw how much of a difference I could make in the lives of my students and how much of a difference they made in my life. Yeah. And I, I was hooked. <laughs> and you said the key thing, Monica, is they make a difference in our own lives. Mm-hmm. It's not about all that we give to them. They really do give a lot to us too. People in my house know all of my students because they hear my students' names all day. 
my son, <laughs> Jeffrey. I mean, like seriously, they know. They know the student. I could say somebody did this, and they can say the student who did it because I talk about my my students at home. You know. And I think that it, if there's a way to get the students to know that, because oh, I don't they think know. they know I that. Tell them. I don't think they know that. Oh, your I'm students like, know? know you but I think all students, I think all students need to, they need to know that they make a difference in educators' yeah. lives. Like, you know, they change you for the good. Like, I've heard stories about, you know, teachers being like, oh, I had this one kid and he really taught me how to teach because he was such a challenge and I'll forever yeah. remember him, you know whatever the story is about a particular kid, but I think that is so important for our young our young people to know is we're teaching yeah, each yeah. other. I, you know, it's not just because we're older and we have this little fancy degree and this little diploma on the wall <laughs> that we somehow know more. I mean, we just have more yeah. world experience and lived experience, but they teach us too. They take us outside of our comfort zone and they force us to yeah. be better. <laughs> Now, I would like to I would like to think that's true for everyone and educators across the board, but that would be a very naive statement that's not true. Um, because some teachers are just stuck in their ways and it's their way or the highway. And I think it's important for when you're dealing with kids who have these sort of behavior issues and mental health issues and emotional issues. Sometimes you have to tailor your lesson plan to meet their needs. You have to tailor how you want to teach to meet their needs because you're not there for self. You're there right. for them. If you were there for self, you would just, I don't know, do some self-education, right? But you're there to help them learn. So it shouldn't be a, because you didn't learn this way and because you need to stand up and do a couple of squats or stretch your leg that you have a learning disorder and I'm going to fail you because you're disrupting the class. I think adults in general need to understand that we have got to be more flexible so we can reach these kids because I can think back to just growing up and being in school and my mom moved us to this little town Swickley and I'm this little black girl with all white kids in school. It was like a culture shock. Um, and I had one teacher, she was an English teacher, Oh, she history. Oh gosh, I don't remember that said. No, she was English. She was an English teacher. She made me feel so comfortable. We read The Long Walk to Freedom, which was by Nelson Mandela. And it's the first time in my whole like just educational experience up until that point, Nelson Mandela in South Africa. Like I've never felt so like someone's trying to teach me. That's definitely something that's important to step outside and reach every student. So again. I don't know if I've said it within the last few minutes, but I appreciate you guys um, for everything that you do. And I'm sure the the parents appreciate you and I'm sure your kids appreciate you, especially since you don't yell at them and treat them how other teachers treat them. You treat them like little humans because that's exactly what they are. They're little human beings that need respect. It shouldn't be this thing of respect me and I'll respect you. No, I'm going to respect right. you because... That's what we do. That's what we're taught to do was to respect each other. So, um, And guess what? We're teachers. So how are they going to know how to respect people until they're learned, they, they're taught? So I need to simplify that. And the way I teach you is to show you. <laughs> so Right. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. you definitely, you, you lead by example. And again, 
Thank you guys for participating in this conversation. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to share that you feel is important for my listeners and just anyone else to kind of know? I just appreciate the opportunity to have a platform um, just to speak about, you know, just the mental health of not just the students, but the teachers and what we go through and just having the opportunity to share some things that work uh, for me and 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 eventually knowing that I will get some feedback about things that work from other people. Like I know that Monica has shared many things that I'm like, yeah, you know, I can, can relate to that or even some things that I could even try, you know? So um, I just appreciate the platform to, to be able to even to do this and I'm like available anytime you need me again. So I really do appreciate it. Oh, stay available because we're going to have another conversation about this because I don't think this is a conversation that's just one conversation and done. Um, because the stress that teachers go through, they're, uh, they, you guys go through a lot. So I think this is a conversation that will definitely be revisited. So I appreciate you, uh, your willingness to, you know, come back and join in again yes, at a later Thank you for having time. us, Nisha. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was nice to meet you, Andrea. And um, to know that, you know, we're out here and, and we're understanding that everything that happens for every person is coming from somewhere. Yeah. So it's, it's easier for us to be understanding um, instead of just judgmental or just feeling like there's something that we have to control there uh, within a child or even within ourselves. We There are other reasons behind the way that we behave and the way that we act and the way that we feel. And that was kind of um, made very clear by our, by our conversation. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you guys so much for, for today. Thank you to Andrea, to Monica, and to all the educators around the world. And thank you for tuning in. And if you have any questions for our educators, feel free to email me at unpackthat20 at gmail.com. That's unpackthat20 at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Therapy. Let's Unpack That. And on Instagram at unpackthat20. And as always, remember, it's okay to see a therapist. (laughs) Talk to you soon.